When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even to a physical. Let's check your weight. Hop on the scale. Look at that. You're down a few pounds. Oh, yeah. Must be the new carbon fiber wheels. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. I'm going to prescribe 91 octane for your engine knock, and we'll want to see you again in 3,000 miles. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Oh, hello there. Oh, second week of November. And what a week it is. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to that Josh Arnold podcast. I am Josh Arnold. My goodness, what a show we have for you this week. My guest, the supremely talented and very lovely, you. That's right. It's you. And some of you might be saying, Josh, I'm a guy. I don't really enjoy being called lovely. Well, get over it. Because, sir, you are one lovely man. All right? You're all lovely. You know why I know that? Because you're listening to this. So, I mean, you you don't have to be physically lovely. You could be ugly and lovely. You know what I mean? You could, uh, you're a lovely person for listening, but you could also be ugly. Uh, physically, you could look, you could be hard to look at, <laughs> but I know that you're not. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. And, uh, ugh, it's gross down here in the basement. There was a flood over the weekend and they've, uh, siphoned a lot of the water out, but there's still like, there are like at least two inches of standing water on the ground. My, my shoes are wet. I'm just, you know, splashing around down. Here. It's just... We've got to, I've got to, I've got to ask if I can do this from the main studio, but I know they'll say no. Anyway, I'm still happy to be with you, and uh, yeah, I hope the second week of November is treating you well. I, I'm, you know, the weather, well, where I am is unseasonably warm, but uh, wonderful. You know, I'm going to soak it in before, you know, it gets cold for uh, some months here, and uh, the, well, we had the time change, didn't we? And that's... It gets dark now um, <laughs> right away uh, before dinner. So I hope you have your seasonal effectiveness uh, disorder lights and whatnot. I know I do. I'm I'm a sufferer of seasonal effectiveness disorder. Um, my friend uh, Joe Murray says, uh, he actually does a joke on stage. He says, my buddy Josh has seasonal effectiveness disorder. When his food isn't seasoned correctly, he gets really upset. Um it, it does make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, man, went fishing over the weekend. A bit of a uh, slightly impromptu fishing trip with my brothers. And uh, we were in the Lake of the Ozarks. And, oh, boy, the weather and the falling leaves. The only problem with the falling leaves, uh, they were all in the lake. They were, <laughs> they were all over. So you would cast. And if you didn't um, immediately hit a leaf with your lure, at the top of the water, you were sure to snag one as you were reeling it in. So it was that got pretty annoying. But uh, other than that, being out there, people burning leaves, the smells of fall, the sights, the sounds—I just love it. I love it so much, and I was really happy to be able to spend some time well with my with my brothers and uh, 
out there in nature. It's good to get outside. So get outside while you can. I hope uh, it's nice where you're at. Uh, our sponsor this week, speaking of nice, is one of my favorites. Uh, this week's sponsor, a good chip. Oh, yeah. Just something to snack on there. You got uh, a crunchy chip. Um, and, I, and I am speaking about, uh, I'm using the American word. Uh, if you're one of our British friends, crisp is what I'm talking about there. Or if we're talking about Pringles, uh, a crisp. But yeah, just a nice, well, and not even just potato. We could be, it could be a tortilla chip or um, so maybe I had pumpkin chips uh, recently and they were delicious. And yeah, who doesn't like a nice, good chip, flavorful, maybe a little salty there. And, you know, you can dip it in th- you can, many dips out there to go along with your chips. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, a good chip for being this week's sponsor have uh have one or two or a whole bowl maybe uh maybe uh just right out of the bag maybe you don't even you don't even put them in a bowl you you put them you just eat the bag go for it oh boy this uh <laughs> what we have uh coming up now, I, I originally the first few episodes we had what was called vocabulary corner well that's changed uh but josh i love learning new vocabulary words hey that's not going anywhere but it has a new name. I, I I thought about this a little bit, and I went, "All right, let's do uh, let's let's try a new name. Let's shake it up." Uh, again, this podcast is uh, an or, it's organic. It's we're still figuring it out as we go along, and I appreciate you being here for the ride. So let's get right to uh, the new renamed first segment of the week, Vocabulary Station. That's right. We're pulling pulling into vocabulary station. Why? Well, we need to stop here and uh, get some supply and learn a new word, huh? And this week's word is boy. Good luck cramming this into any conversation you have this week. If you can use this appropriately uh, this week, email me and let me know at joshpodcast at bobandtom dot com. I um. I'm going to try, but it's not going to be easy. This word, this uh, week's word is a noun. It's macropocide. Macropocide. And the definition is the killing of kangaroos. Now, it's a uh, dark, bleak definition. Uh, we all love kangaroos. We don't want to think about uh, the slaughter of them, I, I suppose. But there's this word, which I, when I came across, I couldn't believe it. Macropocide. It's macro, M-A-C-R-O, Poseid, as in uh, he was Poseid himself. That's ridiculous. P-I-C-I-D-E. But it's pronounced macro. The uh, emphasis is on that second syllable there. Macropocide. It's the killing of kangaroos. And I can't imagine, unless you were um, a bushman or (laughs) you're you're, you're living in uh, the outback or something. I I don't know who... Or maybe you're a, a, a zookeeper, and all of a sudden you you go out there to feed the kangaroos their I, what do they eat? Uh, shrimp or something? You go out uh, and you <laughs> you've got a handful of shrimp for the kangaroo, and I know they don't eat shrimp. They might eat shrimp, but I I, I know they anyway. The uh, and you see that they're all dead. Oh my god! All the kangaroos are dead. Uh, this this is a case of macropocide. What a weird word, man. Anyway. If you if you can use that this week, I want to hear about it. Uh, 
Macropicide. Mm. There's a movie out there that's um, really good, but it has a couple. There, are, it's an unsettling movie anyway. But there's there are a couple scenes that are really tough to watch because actual macropicide is taking place, and it and it was not faked in the making of the movie. It uh, they just these Australian hunters went out. And some of the actors went with them, and they're driving these pickup trucks through the uh, outback, and they're just shooting kangaroos. And it's it's in the context of the movie, um, it's called Wake in. I think it's called Wake in Fright. I saw it years ago on Turner Classic Movies late one night. Um, I'm I'm looking it up as as I'm speaking here, so forgive me. Wake in. Yes, Wake and Fright, and it's a great movie. It stars uh, Gary Bond and Donald Pleasance, and um, Donald Pleasance is just amazing. The great uh, John, uh, I, I think it's Mayon or or Maylon, I don't remember, but uh, a fascinating movie, but it, it's, yeah, those are hard scenes to watch when they're driving around shooting these kangaroos committing uh, real mac- macropicide, so... But I do recommend the flick, which leads me to the next segment of this week uh, and every week. What I enjoyed this week. Oh, my gosh. I never remember what the song is. Uh, I know this is like the third time I think we've used it. And uh, boy, it makes me happy. Doesn't it make you happy? I hope it does. And I hope that you enjoyed many things this week. What I enjoyed... Some of you are going to scoff at this, all right? Um, last week you may have scoffed because I talked about a cartoon on Disney Channel, which I hope you watched, Big City Greens. If you did, let me know. Let me know if you enjoyed it. If you didn't, don't waste your time. Don't tell, don't go. You don't need to write me and say, hey, I didn't like it. Why, you, why do you want to put your energy into something you didn't care for and uh, uh, ruin my, uh, you know, two minutes of me, you know, whenever I'm reading that? So, <laughs> what I enjoyed... This week, um, it was not enjoyed by many people when it first came out. It hit theaters in May of 1987, and I saw it on video cassette. You know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, my parents rented it because they heard they well, they were curious. They'd heard it was so awful, and I remember watching it and my dad laughing a lot. And afterwards. Uh, my dad going, what? That was not bad. I don't know why uh, all the negativity. It was pretty entertaining. And I remember as a kid kind of laughing at a few parts. A lot of it went over my head. I'll get to what I'm talking about. Um, well, I'll just tell you. The movie Ishtar. It's one of the most notorious bombs in cinematic history. And... It had a very troubled production. It stars Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, and it was the first and last movie to be directed by Elaine May because it did so poorly. She really wasn't. I, I bet I think it's a combination that she wasn't offered uh, another shot, and she probably didn't want to take it because it couldn't have felt good to read all the negative reviews and and hear all the hate and and the jokes. I mean, I remember jokes flying around. When I was a kid on uh, Carson or whatever about how uh, how awful Ishtar was, but I'm telling you, it's pretty damn entertaining. It is, 
Uh, there are some really funny lines. There's some very silly uh, set pieces. And, man, it's <laughs> it really isn't bad. It's I, I, I enjoyed it, which is why it's the thing I enjoyed this week. It was on cable. Um, I've got a few cable. I, I make pay cable money. That's right. I've got uh, Showtime there and... Uh, TCM or no uh, TMC the movie channel and uh, stars and it was on one of those and I went you know what I'm gonna watch this and <laughs> I found myself laughing quite a bit and it does there are some moments that are slow here well here's the story Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty are a couple of uh, would-be songwriters who work together a la Simon and Garfunkel they want to be the next Simon and Garfunkel essentially but they're not good, and that's where a lot of the comedy comedy stems from. Their songs that they write and perform are uh, bad, and <laughs> um, they get a job in the Middle East, and then get entangled in a CIA sort of mission. It's it's all very far fetched, and it's filled with a lot of '80s foreign policy references and things. And uh, but it's terrific and. Charles Grodin is in it, and he almost steals the movie. He's such a wonderful actor and so funny. I, I, you know what? If you saw it and you didn't like it, give it another chance. If you haven't seen it, uh, tr- see if you like it. Try it on for size. Ishtar. It's its reputation is uh, bigger than kind of the movie itself. You know, it's um, most people may not have seen the movie or don't remember it, but they know... If somebody says, oh, boy, this is like Ishtar, they know exactly what you mean. It means it was a colossal flop. Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino love Ishtar. That's uh, so I mean, that so and throw me into that mix. I mean, my gosh, what, what are you what are you not doing here? Or what, what? Why aren't you watching it? And actually, I mentioned that uh, it was the butt of many jokes. Gary Larson, the creator of The Far Side, um, arguably the best comic to run in the uh Sunday funnies, as it were. Um, he had a panel. It was uh, one of his far sides was the video store in hell. And it was just a picture of people in a video store and every movie was Ishtar. And uh, he later, um, he's quoted as saying that he was on a plane once and Ishtar was showing and he found himself to be lo- really enjoying it. He was very entertained, and he actually issued an apology uh, for that joke. It, it was the only apology, he says, that he ever put out there uh, for one of his cartoons. And <laughs> God bless him for it. That's uh, he, he said he'd, he'd written that, he had made that cartoon before he had seen the movie, of course. And after he saw it, he went, you know what? I was wrong. That's a, that's a pretty good flick. So anyway. Give it a shot, and if you don't like it, hey, you watched something that was sort of uh, part of cinematic history, and uh, you'll now, you know, you can now uh, know what people are talking about. So, it's a good road movie. That's all it is. Elaine May set out to make a, sort of a Crosby Hope road movie, and I think she did it fairly successfully. And uh, who doesn't, you know, you get to see a lot of uh, c- scenery and locations that you may not have ever seen before, and... um. Well, you should be doing that in life anyway. And that brings me to part two of uh, my sort of audio autobiography. Because last week, 
Well, you know, every week I, I, I like to take a question or, or, or so, or two rather, and last week the question was big, and uh, therefore the answer is, is, is fairly big, and I think we'll take two or three podcasts to answer fully. Um, it came from Dustin, and the question was, he has very nice things to say, of course, why wouldn't he? And then he, he goes on to ask, it sounds like you have uh, you've done a lot of different things professionally over the years. Did you ever feel like your life had no direction because of all the different hats you've worn? If so, how did you actively refine and focus your life to get you on the professional path that made you happy? Well, uh, the quick answer is yes. I've had many different uh, jobs. Um, I did not feel, I do not feel like my life had no direction because... I had those jobs for a reason, and my end game has always been the same, to be uh, in some some form of entertainment, to perform in some way, um, and I was always working towards that. And if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, um, do so. I talk a little bit about some of my first jobs and, and wanting to get into comedy and everything. And it, I left off last week just before I was hopping a plane to Korea. My last day job didn't work out, and I had been researching, teaching overseas because I wanted to travel while I was still fairly young. I was in my later 20s and single and thought, you know what, now's the time to take advantage of doing a little uh, globe trotting, And so... I also wanted uh, a gig where I could work um, less out less than forty hours a week. And from what I understood, teaching overseas, you would work a few hours a day, and then you'd have the rest of the day and your weekends to uh, to yourself. And you also made good money. So I was researching this, and I found out that Korea was like the only country that. If you taught English over there, they would pay for your airfare and no other like Japan and China. and stuff. They weren't offering airfare, um, but the Korean schools were. And I was pretty broke. I was very broke. Actually, I had negative money. I, um, another reason I wanted to go over there was to they, they pay for all your living expenses, except for like food and, and uh, you know, whatever other material things you want to buy. But they paid for rent and uh you got a salary, um, which back then it, it, it equaled about two thousand dollars a month. And so, when you are making two, when you know, I figured, hell, if I'm making two thousand dollars a month and I have no bills, I could probably. And everything is pretty uh, cheap in Korea. It was like, all right, I might spend five hundred dollars a month on food and activities, and. <laughs> Send the rest home to pay off uh, bill, pay off debts I owed, and that's what I ended up doing. I, I reached out via email to a few different recruiters um, who lived in the United States. They were usually of Korean heritage, and they would hook up schools in Korea with um, teachers in America or England or Canada, <clears throat> and they would. Get everything together for you, um, tell you what you needed to do, get you hired, you know, 
set up interviews with schools over there and, yeah, eventually get everything taken care of for you. So I interviewed with uh, one recruiter, and he liked me a lot and uh, ended up saying, yes, I'm going to get you a job. And so (laughs) he would hook me up with uh, phone interviews with schools, and I only had like maybe three or four before I found a school that wanted me and I wanted to go there. It was a, but uh, I remember one interview, I was in a car with my buddies because I had to talk to um, them on Korean time, which is, I was in uh, central standard time and Korean time was 16 hours ahead. So we had to like, but anyway, this one interview took place at night and I remember I was in a car full of other uh, comedians because we were on our way to an open mic and I'm uh, in the back seat and I'm already kind of like, all right, man, I'm in, I'm in this group with a bunch of smart, uh, a bunch of Weisenheimers and I hope they just keep their mouths shut while I'm trying to get this gig. <laughs> and I'm uh, talking to the person at some Korean school in, in uh, Seoul, the capital of uh, Korea. And I, uh, I'm talking and they're telling me, hey, you're going to be teaching English and gym <laughs> and so what my friends heard in the car was I'm, i go uh oh okay so i'll be teaching english for part of the day and then i'll also be teaching physical education and the whole car erupted in laughter because who the hell am i to teach gym i have no business uh <laughs> doing that and it's not just because i'm overweight it's just i'm also uh not good <laughs> At sports, I mean, I kind of know my way around a wiffle ball bat, kind of. But other than that, um, yeah, no, leave me out of it. So uh, I love playing them. I'm just not good. The That interview ended up, uh, they weren't going to pay me as much as this other school in a smaller city w- was going to pay me. So I ended up, uh, well, hooking up with that school and they flew me out. Actually, uh, I went with one of my best friends. His name is Russ Olson, and uh, we did improv together for years, and we maintained uh, a really solid friendship, and he wanted to go too. He wanted to go uh, to Korea. Um, in fact, I, I, I kind of think it was serendipitous. He had been researching at the same time I had been, and we went, hey, man, why don't we try to work this out to where we both go and teach at the same school? Well, it ended up that he ended up uh, working at a school about – uh, a 30, 45 minute bus ride from the, the school I was working in. We both got jobs in pretty much central South Korea, um, sort of uh, closer to the west coast of South Korea, but but still fairly centralized. And the town that I got my teaching gig in was called Jeonju, and it was uh, uh, lovely. Just a lovely town. It's the 16th largest city in South Korea. About 650,000 people, a little little over that, um, at least when I was there. And it means, um, oh, what was, perfect region, perfect region, and uh, which it was for me. Why? It was a big city, but it was also surrounded by uh, beautiful rural Korea. And in fact, they coexisted. Um, there were, it was not rare to be walking down the st- a street in Jeonju, 
uh, and between two tall sort of skyscrapers or apartment buildings, there'd be a small, almost shack-looking thing with a big garden in the back and, you know, uh, Korean women with baskets and they were going and getting, you know, they were uh, picking cabbages. or It was almost like these little farms in between big... uh, city big city buildings and it was a wonderful combination and that's what i wanted because i i wanted to go to korea well for the reasons i already mentioned but also my great uncle my grandmother's my mother's mother's brother he and his family had lived in korea for a few years and i really liked that guy my great uncle jack um i thought he was he 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 was really funny he had a, a tremendous wit and he was uh, very nice to me, and he smoked cigars, which was like simultaneously obnoxious and charming. And uh, he taught me how to play bumper pool. I just have really good memories of my uncle Jack. He was uh, um, a fun, a fun guy. And uh, I, there were rumors actually, and I, I boy, I've got a. Well, I'd love to be able to dig into this. I just don't know how I could. There were, my grandma was convinced my Uncle Jack worked for the CIA. He um, had some vague job that would send him uh, around the world. And he always seemed to be in an area at a time when there was some sort of turmoil or political upheaval. (laughs) And my grandma kind of put, according to her, she put two and two together and went, Uncle Jack, my Uncle Jack is involved in some sort of CIA. The CIA or something. So I don't know whether or not <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'd love to think that my Uncle Jack was a spook working for the government um, involved in some sort of uh, insane espionage. But to me, he was a uh, just a funny, um, nice man. Uh, super old. I mean, I was little, but he was, yeah, just cra- who would smoke these cigars and make jokes. And yeah, made me made me laugh. Anyway, I thought it would be nice to live in a place where he lived. And, and uh, I, he, I remember him talking a little bit about the, the countryside of Korea. So I was happy to be in a place where I had modern amenities, but I could uh, enjoy the rural surroundings. It was terrific. And teaching was, was quite a, a gig. I had never taught before. And I arrived uh, sick as a dog. I got, well, here's what happened. Uh, I was scheduled to leave St. Louis. Um, I don't remember the exact day, but it was like March 15th. And uh, around March 5th, they called. Oh, well, and so we had uh, goodbye parties with my family planned and and with my friends, uh, Big Bash planned to, uh, you know, sort of say, hey, good. I signed a year contract. I'll be gone for a full year. And uh, let's let's celebrate. Let's go all out, and uh, I'll see everybody. And I, um, my all four of my oh no, I'm sorry, my uh, my dad's parents were alive, and my mom's mom was alive, and so I was going to go see all of them and <laughs> visit before I left. Well, my recruiter called on like May- March 5th and said, "You're leaving in two days." <laughs> uh, what? And so we had to, uh, and and this was the same with my buddy Russ. They cut his, uh, his was cut back too. So I didn't get, I had to rush around and just sort of say bye to people and get packed 
uh, you know, you're packing for a year. So pretty much everything, all my clothes and everything I was uh, taking with me. And um, it was a whirlwind. And in the middle of all that, I got one of the worst flus I've ever had. I was just sick as a dog. And poor Russ caught it from me. Uh, because we would make out on the plane, and, the, and just if you if uh, if you heard that and didn't immediately perk your ears up, you're not listening. This, that was a test. My, of course, my buddy and I didn't make out on the plane at the terminal. Oh my god, it was. Uh, <laughs> All right, this is getting off the rails. Uh, anyway, he did get sick though as I was coming off of it. So uh, arrived in Korea uh, sick as a dog, and. Started training at the school. It was called ECC, which stood for like English, two words that start with C. And um, here's what uh, I was, here's what I did. I taught all day, Monday through Friday, and then on some Saturdays at first. And I would teach kindergarten up to high school. And as the day progressed, the kids got older. So in the morning, I was teaching kindergarten. In the afternoon, you know, third, fourth grade at night, because I would start at like um, 8 a.m. and end at 8 p.m., essentially. Now, I did have a couple hours off in, in between there, so I would teach classes from 8 to 10 and then be off until 1 and then go back and teach 1 to 4 and then 5 to 9, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, because I guess the last class started around 8. So, we, I mean, we were there all day. With, you know, those two-hour breaks where I could go back to my apartment or I could go to a restaurant, whatever, walk around. Um, so I got to experience teaching all grade levels. I did not speak any Korean. In fact, they insisted that they only hire people who didn't know Korean because they wanted the English teachers to only speak English so that the kids were forced to pay attention and learn. Uh, they didn't want anybody to sort of uh, have a crutch. Um, but here's how the lessons worked. Let's say at 8 a.m. I had my kindergarten class. I would go in and teach a lesson from 8 to 8.50. And then that same class from 9 to 9.50, they would have a Korean speaking to uh, Well, a, a native Korean teach the exact same lesson. So the kids get the full in, um, immersive English lesson, and then they got the same lesson in Korean and they could ask that Korean uh, teacher questions that they may not have known how to ask me or that kind of thing. Um, So it was uh, very effective. I mean, I watched these kindergartners who knew may, I mean, maybe they knew like hello or hi or uh, happy birthday or, you know, things that they would hear on television and stuff within months. They were speaking, a lot of English, and uh, it was pretty rewarding. I, I could see the fruits of my labor. I could see them really working and enjoying it, and uh, it was really sweet. My kindergartners, I just I adored, and I had to learn pretty quickly. Um, teaching over there, pretty different, um, uh, and here's what I mean. They... It's going to sound weird to a lot of a lot of people because it's just not like this here. But that you could have, um, well, you could uh, things like that. you could hug your student. In fact, they insisted that there be almost a um, 
I don't want to say physical relationship because that sounds like, you know, that just doesn't sound, those aren't the words. But it was not, I remember the first time a kid came up to me and was like hanging on one of my legs and kids were hugging me. And I remember thinking, this is going to get me fired and sent back to America. And they had to, and other um, foreign teachers, we were called, had to explain, no, 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 this is, not only not only is this okay, it's sort of encouraged. Now, of course, everything was appropriate. There was nothing um, in, inappropriate about it at all. It was uh, it was really nice. You know, it was like having a a room full of nieces and nephews. I loved it. Um, things did get a little too physical uh, once, and I'll I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> this was with maybe like a fifth grader of mine. There's a game that Korean students would play. You may have heard me talk about this on the Bob and Tom show called Dong Chim, which translates roughly to uh, fecal needle. Um, dong, dong means uh, poop in uh, Korean and chim means needle. And what they would do is uh, they would do this to, the, to each other all the time. They couldn't believe how funny this was. If it happened here, it would be uh, immediately ended. But <laughs> so what the, these kids would do is they would put their two index, they would put their hands together, and their two index fingers would be pressed together and and pointing out, while the rest of their fi- it looked like they were uh, you know when you would play like cops and robbers or something and you were making a fake gun with both hands. That's what they were doing. So their thumbs would be together and up in the air, their index fingers straight out, and the rest of their fingers clasped together and folded back. And so they were making this sort of gun, and they would run up behind each other and jam their two index fingers into the ass of their buddy as hard as they could. It was sort of like giving a wedgie um, in prison, <laughs> we'll say. I mean, what? just a total violation. They couldn't believe how funny this was. And um, it happened to me once. This one student came up behind me. I was kind of aware of this game. Never in a second thought that I would be the victim of it. I mean, this kid ran up behind me and did it. I I had no idea it was coming, and I lost my mind. (laughs) I mean, I felt bad because I, I immediately turned around and just yelled at this kid. And he looked so scared because there's this towering, gigantic American dude, <laughs> um, you know, yelling at him in a language he he barely understands. But I had to make it clear, hey, I know that that's a game that's fine here. Uh, with me, it's not cool. So, <laughs> so yes, I got dong chimmed once. I remember one time. <laughs> Walking into a classroom, I was st- I was walking with this girl Becky, who was this uh, British girl, and she uh, was walking into her classroom, and she opened the door, <laughs> and there was uh, I get they were probably fourth fifth grade, and there was this kid on the ground, and he had his he was like on his shoulders, and his legs were sticking straight up in the air, and they were completely akimbo, and his friend was standing over him, dong chiming him repeatedly and they were both laughing like hyenas (laughs) and i was just dumbfound i i couldn't i mean 
It, it was, it was, and Becky just, oh my God, she just starts yelling at them. She was just, you know, as baffled as I was, and uh, man, just a, a different, uh, there were other sort of, <laughs> you know, uh, well, unpleasant differences, I'll say. The bathrooms at the school, the signs, whether uh, for whether it was the men's room or the ladies' room. <laughs> now these are ki- the signs are meant for kids essentially because it's a, it's a school for kids. Well, instead of saying girls or boys or men's or women's in any any language, it was just a drawing, and for the men's it was the drawing of a penis with pee coming out of it, and for the women's room it was a well, what looked like an, sort of an ass with <laughs> with pee coming out of, and I was just like, okay, well, that's that's one way to <laughs> to let us know. <laughs> and when you had to wash your hands after using the bathroom, it was just a bar of soap that everybody shared and one uh, hand towel, <laughs> and that really bummed us out. Um, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it was just kind of creepy. There also were no water fountains. There was a water cooler uh, with one metal cup that you dr- that the kids would drink out of. So one kid would would fill it up, drink out of it, and pass it to the next kid. Just the same cup would go <laughs> all day through, like probably touch a hundred different mouths. <laughs> they just didn't. They just weren't too concerned, and. <laughs> so there were things like that that I constantly had to get used to. Um, and once I did, and some of those things I never took part in. I never I never drank out of the metal cup. I had my own cup. Um, in fact, uh, I always had this big cup of water with me. I was talking all day. I love, I already drink a ton of water throughout the day anyway. And uh, I was always had it with me. And one of my Korean students made me a letter and a little picture and, um, she handed it to me, and it was in Korean, and I had no idea what it said. And but I loved it; it was so sweet. And she was one of my favorite students. And um, she, uh, I, you know, I, t- I very proudly took it into the teachers' lounge and had it at my desk. And I, I go, I wonder what this says. And I handed it to one of the Korean teachers, and I said, "Hey, what does this say?" And she read it and burst into laughter. And uh, I said, oh, well, what, what does it say? And she said, um, Joshi teacher. They called me Joshi teacher. First off, Josh in Korean, when it's spelled out in their uh, letter system, no word ever ends with SH. It's always, so it doesn't end with sh. It's she. Every word ends with she. So, um, like if you said, oh, my gosh, they would say, oh, my goshi. That's just how it is. And so Joshi was, they weren't being cute. That's just how they pronounced my name. But it sounded very cute. And they would always say teacher after your name um, because that's how they would say it in Korean. Uh, it was always, um, you know, the Korean teacher's last name and then teacher. And so, uh, which was maybe, I, I forget exactly what the word was. Anyway, uh, so the Joshi teacher, so this the little girl's letter said, Joshi teacher, you are like a hippo. <laughs> so, of course, the Korean teacher was howling. And she told me, and I go, oh, is it, I go, I'm like a hippo. Is it because I'm, you know, fat? And, and I mean, 
in America, I'm overweight. In Korea, I was fat. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) because they tend to not be, uh, well, they're not nearly as fat of people as we are. So uh, I said, is it because I'm, you know, a fat guy? And she goes, no. Well, she goes, I'll find out. (laughs) And I go, I'm not worried about it. It's a little kid. It's so, it's sweet to me nonetheless. And uh, well, later she found out, she talked to, um, the little girl, Sally was her name because we had to, they got to pick English names for themselves. And so I had, we had to refer to them as their English names. So she talked to Sally and Sally told her that I was like a hippo because I always had water with me and I was always just chugging these waters, (laughs) which made it even sweeter. And, uh, my goodness, it just, uh, well, it makes it, 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 it really makes me smile big, uh, thinking about it today. And, um, one of the things that I really enjoyed with teaching the kindergartners was I would teach them and then we would go have breakfast in the cafeteria. And that same girl, Sally, I, I, uh, and I would, I would sit with them, with the kindergartners and eat with them. And it was, it had to have looked comical. I wish uh, somebody had taken a photo, but they were these tiny, very low to the ground tables and kindergarten class chairs. And that's what I had to sit on and eat at. So it's um, uh, all these little kindergartners at their little table and this giant American dude with a goatee uh, bent over, (laughs) sitting on this uh, ridiculously tiny chair, eating with them. And I'm sitting there uh, and and Sally is sitting across from me and she looks up at me one one morning and uh, rice and kimchi are served with every meal. Kimchi is uh, fermented cabbage. It's very spicy. They eat it all every meal. So breakfast included and same with rice. And so she's uh, got a mouthful of rice and she looks up at me like she's concerned. And so I, I I'm looking at her. And I'm about to ask, if, you know, if she's okay the best I can because she wasn't that advanced in English. And she sneezed and covered me in uh, wet rice. <laughs> I mean, it was in my hair, in my goatee, just all over my face. Because as you can imagine, uh, if you've got a mouthful of rice and you have to sneeze, well, you're... <laughs> It's coming out. It's not, you're not going to be able to keep your mouth closed, and especially if you're a three-year-old, which she was. So, because kindergarten started very young there. So, uh, (laughs) I also remember that they would serve fish um, once a week or so, and (laughs) uh, it was delicious. They were like these, these just cut up fish nuggets. I don't know what kind of fish, and they were awesome crispy they weren't fried but they had like a crispy outside but (laughs) they were not deboned at all so i was sitting (laughs) at uh, i would just be sitting there watching these kindergartners take these giant bites of fish and then (laughs) root through their mouths and (laughs) pull out these tiny needle-like fish bones that any one of them could choke choke to death on. I just, I was like, this, again, this would never happen in America. But here they just, they're not, they're not as concerned about it. And uh, my one of my favorite things about teaching the kindergartners was in the wintertime, they would uh, have their, you know, we would finish class. And before they got on the bus, they would uh, be getting their book bags together and they would put their coats on 
and I remember one, one kid could not get his coat zipped up, so he came over to me, and uh, he, through a series of sort of gestures, he would speak to me in Korean, but I didn't understand any of it, so I was looking at his gestures. He didn't know how to zip up his coat. So I sat down on a little you know kindergarten chair there, and I uh, zipped up his coat for him, and the other kids took notice, and... <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet, and uh, I, I I really did love these kids. Um, so I'm getting a little you know sort of wistful here. But she they uh, they lined up behind this kid, and they all wanted their coats to be. They all wanted me to zip up their coats for them. And so then every day, that was the thing. That became a thing where they would all line up at the end of class, and I would sit down and zip up their coats for them, and uh, you know to tell them to have a good day and. That they did a good job. It was, I just, uh, I have really fond memories of of that. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was just really, really nice. And uh, as the day would progress, again, the kids got older and they got better at English, and they got, uh, you know, their personalities were starting to show themselves more. And um, man, they were funny, and they were. They were kids. They were crazy rambunctious because their regular schools were so strict that when they got to the uh, this English academy, they really cut loose. And corporal punishment is still a thing there. At least it was in 2006, 2005, when I, 2005 and 2006 when I was there. So if they messed up in class at the regular school... They would get hit, not with, uh, you know, they weren't getting punched, but uh, the teachers had these like wooden cane type things. And if you got, you know, if you didn't do your homework or you didn't, uh, you know, you, you smart, you smart mouth the teacher or something, they were allowed to hit you on the, the palm or hit you in the back of the legs. And uh, so their schools were very strict. And so then when they would come to these ancillary schools, they knew that we wouldn't and couldn't hit them, the the uh, the foreign teachers, the Americans and Canadians and and whoever else. That said, the Korean teachers could still hit them. And <laughs> I remember uh, there was a teacher. She her English name was Nil, and I never um, had uh, the heart to tell her, "Hey, I I don't think that's a name in any language," but. <laughs> Uh, N-I-L. Anyway, she was, um, I, you know, I don't want to be uh, crude. Right? Crazy hot. In I mean, insanely sexy. It was ridiculous. And she dressed the part. She would wear these crazy tight skirts and thigh-high boots and, like, these sort of tight blouses. Like, she knew she was hot. And she also, she wanted to make sure everybody else knew. <laughs> and she was kind of mean. Um, and, uh, which was also kind of hot. And so she, um, she, and she was, consi- she was uh, considered among the student body to be the strictest of teachers. Well, uh, again, I would teach an hour and then a Korean teacher would teach the same lesson uh, an hour later. Well, <laughs> I'm walking down the hall. And uh, <laughs> I uh, see some of my students lined up against uh, the wall in the hallway 
with their hands up on the wall and their legs spread like they're going to be uh, searched, like they're um, <laughs> like they're under arrest or something. And I go, guys, what did you do? Because I knew they were in trouble, but I thought that was their punishment, to stand against the wall. I thought, because I had seen things like that before. Sometimes if you didn't have your homework, the teacher would do that old thing where they would make you stand up and hold a book in each hand, and you had to stand there like Lady uh, Liberty with the, the or, or whatever that is, the scales, uh, <laughs> the scales, and just hold a book in each hand. Um, the whole class, like it was just, it was kind of barbaric by our standards. So I go, guys, what did you do? And uh, the one student looked at me and said, uh, uh, nil teacher, very angry. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, so you're in trouble. And uh, <laughs> as soon as I said that, <laughs> Nil walked out of one of the classrooms with this big, like, sort of bamboo cane and just started <laughs> beating these these boys, these three boys, on the backs of their knees with this stick so hard. Like, it, <laughs> the welts must have been glorious. <laughs> and at first, I, I like, it, it, was, it was so hard. And the kids were so bummed out, of course, <laughs> that I didn't laugh uh, right then. But I, I'm, I would be lying if I didn't say I went into a classroom and howled. I couldn't believe how funny it was. Because I also knew these kids, and they were smart, Alex. They were good kids, but they were punks. Like, they were... <laughs> I knew that they deserved it. <laughs> I was also laughing at how insane this sight was. This, this like, hot... Asian chick with a stick that that businessmen around the world would pay hundreds of dollars for this to happen to them. <laughs> like there are guys out there that would have killed to be these three boys. And uh, <laughs> she's just hitting them so insanely hard and like yelling at them in Korean. So I also did, I didn't know what was being said. Oh, God, I that it's uh, it made me very, very happy. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, I ended up doing that. I ended up teaching over there for uh, close to two years because I re-signed after the the first year went so quickly, and it was so fulfilling. And I I was doing what I had hoped. I was making money. I liked the job I was doing. And I had time to write and to experience things and um, to to just be fully immersed in a, a completely different culture and uh, really learn a lot about myself and spend time with one of my best friends who um, now lives in England with his wife. And uh, we don't talk but a couple times a year, if that. And uh, But my gosh... Uh, the the memories he and I have um, are, I, I could only, and I wouldn't dare um, strongly compare these, but it was sort of like being in the military. We we had uh, an experience together overseas that, that none of our other friends had. And uh, so there are some inside jokes that we have, and there's some references that only he and I know, and some very, very fond memories. And uh, I'm sure, you know, as this podcast uh, grows and as time goes on, that you'll hear more about about my time in Korea. And I uh, 
I, I, I love it. I love it as a country. I love the people. And I loved teaching over there. Um, I don't think I'm a great teacher, and I don't think that I'd be a great teacher uh, here, but I enjoyed it. And uh, I miss my students. And my gosh, those kindergartners are um, adults now. They uh, are in their early 20s. And I, I wonder if they remember me. Um, and, uh, I want, and if they do, I wonder what they remember and, and, uh, if they, you know, ever think about me because I, I think about them and I think about what kind of people they became and, and are becoming and, and how they are. And, uh, did I have any effect on them at all? Um, I, 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 I hope I did because they certainly, they certainly had an effect on me, and uh, I'm a better person for for meeting them and knowing them and and teaching them. And if you ever get the chance, if you're young, well, any age, if if you if you have the opportunity in your life to do something like that, I would say jump on it. Google how do I teach in wherever you want to go, and if it's for you, and 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 uh, it, it, you know it's something you want to try. Or you know somebody who's interested in this, maybe one of your children or anyone in your life, if they're considering it, I highly recommend it. Um, do your research, of course, but uh, you're not going to regret it. And uh, hell, if you don't like it, there's a, get on a plane, go home. Uh, you're not stuck there. So, uh, but you're gonna—I I think you will like it. I—I I, I look forward to getting back to Korea. I have not been back since um, 2006, and. I want to. I want to go, and I want to walk the streets that I. I want to walk by my apartment complex, and I want to walk by that school, and and I want to see what's changed and what's the same, and uh, I'll I'll get there. We'll. Uh, uh, it'll it'll be. I I think it'll be great. So, this week, um, I, well, you know what? Next week, I'll tell you about how uh, what happened when I got back from Korea. And um, tell you about what what got me to where I am right now, sitting in the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios. This week, uh, what I would like for all of us to work on. Well, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, if we didn't do this the, the proper intro for this. What to work on this week? <laughs> <laughs> And the answer would be my timing. Uh, I saw when the song was going to start, and I did not speak late enough. I I spoke too soon. So, what to work on this week? Oh, this is one of my favorite things to do. I I hope you do it. Um, And if you've never done it, try it this week. It's it's really fun and rewarding. And uh, all too often, you'll, you'll go online or... You'll be in line somewhere, and you'll hear somebody complaining about, you know, service, or uh, or you'll read about somebody's bad experience. And sometimes you'll, I mean, actually, I'd say often you read them and you go, that wasn't that bad of an experience, you lighten up. You know, what the hell? Well, what I would like you to do, and I never write bad reviews. I, I, if I had a bad experience, I, uh, I, I don't take the time to reflect on it by yelping or anything like that. 
it was a bad experience. I don't want to spend my time thinking about it or anything like that. So uh, what I I prefer to do is to write reviews that are good or write uh, even better. And this is what I want you to do. Well, however you do it, report good service. If you get good service this week, and you will, you will, let somebody know. Either go on Yelp and say, you know what? The clerk at my neighborhood pharmacy was so kind to me, and I just really, really appreciate it, and I, and I wanted to let you know uh, about it. It's wonderful. What I like to do is, if I get good service, ask to talk to the manager. And it's a tricky thing because uh, you get good service, and then you go, can I please speak to your manager? And that person's immediately worried. They, they don't think you're going to be... Pu- how often does somebody ask to see the manager when it's a positive thing? So they're kind of trained to go, oh, man, what did I mess up? In fact, I've said, can I please speak to your manager? And they've said, oh, my gosh, what uh, can I is there anything I can fix? What did I do? And I said, no, I just need to I just want to speak to your manager. And when the manager comes over and again, the uh, you know what? It might be tough this week because we're not really all going to restaurants and we're not going to many as, as many stores. So maybe it's better on online or something. But if you're in a drive through or whatever, you, I think you can make this work. Let their supervisor know that they did a good job and that they should um, be happy that that person is working for them. Just let them know. It's a really nice thing to do. It only takes a minute out of your day. But you know what it does? It it really makes the day of uh, of that person. First off, the manager likes to hear it. They're relieved that you're not upset about something first off second they're happy to know that they've got a good person working for them and then they go to that person they say you know what that guy uh, or that woman let me know what a fine job you're doing and i really appreciate it and it makes everybody's day so do that spread a little love report good service and report back here next week i'm gonna finish uh talking about my uh, professional life ad nauseum. I hope you're enjoying it. I do. And um, uh, I've, I, I've left some things out in both w- weeks so far, but I will get to them eventually. Uh, you know, stories are going to come out. Memories are going to resurface, and I'm going to share them with you. And uh, uh, I hope you're enjoying it. I, I'm certainly enjoying talking to you. And email me more questions at Podcast at bobandtom.com. I love hearing from you. And we will see you again. Oh, and uh, subscribe, if you will, and uh, leave a rating. Whatever you do. If you, um, you know what? Maybe that could be your good service this week. You could give me a nice <laughs> rating, but only if you enjoyed it. Anyway, we will talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody.